Good morning on this uh, beautiful day. Uh, this is Jean Roux, your uh, podcast show host, which I do together with MP Stradom. Uh, it's April 2020. Both myself and our guest for today are in COVID-19 lockdown. Uh, we have now slipped into, this is a new style of working, and I must say we are hell of a productive I would like to introduce our guest to you. You've heard him before, Juan Rickert, uh, ex-CFO. Juan, uh, welcome to the show. Well, good morning to you as well, uh, Jean. And yeah, it is really a beautiful day out here. And uh, also, thank you very much for everybody that's listening and a good day for you as well. Juan, uh, we are following up on your previous podcast, which, by the way, uh, to our listeners, Thank you very much for listening to that podcast. The most uh, listening count that we got from all our podcasts was on that one from you on. You on, so you hold the record. Well done. What are you giving us today? At least I've got one record in my life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Can we just start by reminding everybody that the, the heading of what we are talking about is Mine RP Enabling Financial Planning and Control. So we do not concentrate on the specific features of Mine RP, other than those that enables financial planning and control to do things which we've never done before. Thank you for that. Yeah. Right, let's dive in. Uh, remind us about the previous podcast and then just build up from there. In the previous podcast, we concentrated on the fact that Mine RP can do mine plans, whether that is a revised plan or a scenario or a few options that we want to look at in effectively in near real time versus the previous norm where it could take four to nine months to do the same exercise and to deliver right. the same outputs. Now, the consequences of this long lead time on the financial planning and also the financial control environments were really severe. And we have mentioned last time the fact that because of that, we only had one auditable financial forecast or stroke budget per year, where there was just not the possibility of doing two, three, four, or five of these things in one But year. that's normal wherever we go currently, Johan. That is so. And that is my experience for, for, for 40 years in the mining industry. So, Johan, after that summary of uh, podcast one, where we said what MineRP is able to do for you, what are we focusing on today? Well, we start today by focusing on the first leg of how do we do this? And we're wow. starting with the building blocks of the financial budget and forecast, which are now obviously different from the past. And on a very high level, financial budget and forecast has got two main pillars that it stands on. One is the operating plan, the plan of physical work that needs to be done and executed. And wow. then an application that transforms that into monetary values that delivers costs, revenues, cash flows, income statement, balance sheet analysis, etc. Now, the process to do this, you will see, boils down to identifying activity. Step one, we will take the production process flow plus all the support processes and break it into smaller chunks or smaller units of work yeah. until we have defined all this separately defined activities. Yeah. And we will spend a podcast on more on the detail on how do we do this. Okay. 
But today, let's say we break it into units of work, smaller units of work. Mine RP then do the planning in the mine plan and schedule per activity level of granularity. Okay. So it will tell us when it's going to do it, where it's going to take place, etc. And we'll, we'll get to that later in the discussion as well. This is followed by establishing a bill of resources for every activity. Note we're not referring to a bill of material, but bill of resources, because our bill of resources includes, yes, the list of materials, but also of machine hours, uh, labor teams, contractors, utilities, pipes, etc. Everything required to do and perform and execute on that bill of resources to deliver the activity. Now, once we have done this, we then can start aggregating the costs of activity. We can aggregate it into minor processes where minor processes together becomes a sub-process to eventually a main process. Uh, let's just make it practical. Let's say the activity is paneling, which is followed by activity which is loading and hauling, which is fo followed by a, let's say, a grizzly and a conveyor belt. Yeah. What we can then do is to say, you know, from the panel to delivery to the grizzly, that's a minor process. We want to do it separately and define it separately. That is per the mine, and we'll do that. So we will aggregate this until we get to the cost of our total ROM on stockpile on surface and through to the final saleable product, whether that's on the other side of the plant as a concentrate or whether it's a product delivered FOB on a, on a, a vessel. Okay. We also accumulate this so that we have into stocking points, so that we track our working progress, so it reflects as a current asset as it goes. Uh, it is also a process where we then better identify where the different cost components are, is incurred and how it rolls up until we get to our fully costed product cost. And you can start imagining how that can fit in with value trees and uh, cost analysis. Yeah. But we can then also uh, obviously aggregate these into cost centers and or responsibilities. Okay. So by doing this, and this is a summary, obviously the detail uh, is a very long discussion, but clearly where we're moving to is the introduction of a proper costing system. The second thing is that each one of these activities has a unique code which we call a financial integration code and this financial integration code is identical and it lives in mine rp who will actually allocate that code to every activity as it designs it and schedules it it is used in a, the financial application that put that transforms the operating plan into monetary values exactly the same code and eventually in the ERP system that financial integration code will become a cost code so that you have total traceability. This code will identify what is the activity, the location of that activity, when that activity takes place based on the schedule and if there's a variation in the operating conditions from the normal standard in the mine it will identify that variant as well. So once this becomes the cost codes, which we're going to use, we will in later podcasts elaborate on it to show how this becomes a automated process for the allocation of costs, as well okay. as the basis for automating transactions. So we will 
also eliminate the idea that cost centers or a dollar per ton is a costing system. Let me just clarify at this point. You've just described an ERP system which is based on the MRP2 uh, manufacturing resource planning and all the principles around it. Why do you need might not be involved in this? Can an ERP not do this by themselves and why is this not being done? An ERP do not operate and execute the science of mining in a three-dimensional space based on geological definition. And you need okay. exactly that to be able to do what MineRP does that enables us to do this exercise. So that gives definition to MineRP, the word which could mean many things, but the one that we like, minerals requirements planning, and then uh, it's a platform that integrates platform to platform to be able to take the best out of the ERPs like SAP and others. That's correct. What you then get is you, you connect the best of both worlds. You take okay. the industry leader in the planning, mine planning and scheduling side, we are, we'll talk now, just now, on a, finance, a professional financial forecasting application that does the transformation into dollars and monetary okay. values. And you take a world-class ERP system that gives you the benefits of that transactional system for control purposes. Okay. So when we talk about taking the process flow, so, you know, firstly, we will take the core flow from the phase, production phase to the saleable product and break that down into activities. We then go back and we identify all the support processes that flows into it, into this core production process. But then there are other processes, and I just call it here a geological process. It could include ongoing exploration drilling. It could be in-scene drilling. It could be face samples, etc. Okay. With those processes at the end of the day is part and parcel of what we do, and there are definition on how that must be done, which will be included. Then there is all the other support processes, like I said already, the 127 derived activities, which are activities that needs to be performed prior to a new mining area being ready to be mined. Okay, critically right. important to know where we stand with those sort of things and what the cost is and when the cost gets incurred and how it gets capitalized and how does it get depreciated again. Uh, there are processes about, uh, for let's say utilities, bulk power, we buy it in bulk, we have a distribution system within the mine to get it either to the plant or underground or to an open pit or wherever it may be required. And then within the plant, there's a reticulation as well. So uh, I don't always say you have to go to that sort of detail, but yes, those are things. Ventilation is another one. And in here, direct overheads, uh, very direct uh, overheads that is linkable or to specific processes or activities are then costed and also included where it belongs. Then just briefly, this is a preview to activities and how we derive at that. Just to mention three aspects. One is each activity must have an engineered or designed standard operating procedure from which we derive the engineered bill of resources required to do the job in the manner it's supposed to do. And each activity must have a defined result, output or deliverable. One will find varying degrees of detail of this. 
in some mines, we find very detailed spreadsheets. So uh, these type of work mm. practices we, we do find already, but disconnected on spreadsheets, et cetera, right? That's correct. And now we're making it an integrated uh, one value, uh, one place of the truth where all of this happened together, yes. On a platform, yeah. So, on the platform. So the minor P contribution, you know, is that it provides the platform where all these mine plans and scheduling and scenarios can be scheduled by activity. Including the developer resources. That's correct. It gives us beginning dates, uh, start dates, end dates, what, when, and where. And yeah. also then with reference to the bill of resources, we can obviously cost the resources required as well as what is the standard outputs of it. Okay. Now, effectively what we have now been saying Another implication here is we say goodbye, Excel, uh, our old trusted friend. I think there's a song going <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> then, and embracing the new era of professional financial forecasting applications. Yep. These applications, there are quite a few of them. Very good products. Gardner Fourth Quadrant, Quadrant is a very good indicator. But it's important to know that you as an individual group or of companies may have functional requirements which may be better suited by to one or the other. This financial forecasting application must be integrated to MineRP as well as to the ERP so that right. it can update itself in near real-time places both with new input as well as by synchronizing itself with tables of uh, GL codes and cost codes and cost centers, etc. It must also be able to go and fetch prices and rates in exchange rates and inflations where those informations are available. And that is why we call this the new standardized budget or revised forecast in near real time. And once one has set, set it up like this, then you don't need an army of financial controllers to constantly add things and close things and open things and align things and build more spreadsheets, yeah, et cetera. Exactly. The, basis, yeah. the basis of running because this in a lean fashion is proper setup and have a platform-to-platform -platform integration around this. Integration in the full sense of the word, working together with other applications on our platform as if it is seamless, all right, you will see is basically one of the most fundamentals. And you will also hear me refer to automated cost allocations, automated transactions, automated update. The volume of our data is going to increase. And if we don't automate this from day one, it is going to just run away from us. Take us through some examples of if you have this in place in the times that we are now, but there are other examples like that. What can happen? Well, if I understand you correctly, if we have this thing in place, we can now start uh, saying, I, I say, in the event of, well, in the event yep. of a revised forecast, quarterly or monthly, okay, where we now battle to just get something put together in the two to three days from closing the month, uh, reporting our variances and estimating the rest of the year, with what we have now, we can, in fact, in that time, run one or two or three options before we decide what is the plan for the next year, because we can do it so quickly. We can also now say that every plan that we make, operating plan, 
can be validated or evaluated by the financial outcomes to see if how financially feasible that is, especially compared, compared to the previous plans. All right. And the granularity we'll discuss a little bit later as well. But it is also if we have a safety stoppage in South Africa, we refer to Section 54, etc. You may have a monsoon rain. What happens if prices change radically, like they've dipped in the last three to four weeks and bounced up and down? The event of a COVID-19, as tragic as it is, how quickly can we run a couple of scenarios on COVID-19 and put that into a mining plan and give a financial answer on where we see we going, what our cash position is going to look like after this event, and how strong are we going to come out of it. Please just note, we are talking about using activities as a platform, as a building block. We are not referring to activity-based costing. All right. Okay. So Good. there's a difference. We do achieve a zero-based budgeting, and a lot of the activity-based costing features as well as uh, advantages, which I can refer you to McKenzie. They've got an article called the return on zero-based budgeting, for instance. But if you go to the McKenzie website and under their corporate finance, just uh, search for uh, activity-based costing and uh, zero-based we'll, budgeting. And we'll have a the lot link of, in the show notes. We'll have the link in the show notes as well. Thank you very much, because there's a lot of good information in there. If we want to make this benefits practical, then let me yeah. just say the following in conclusion. If we use a dollar per ton as an input costing system, we accumulate the sins of the past, because we take what we did last year, inclusive yes. of our sins, inclusive of our inefficiencies, and yes. we perpetuate it into the new year, plus an escalation factor. And I found this over and over again in the mining industry. Then our <laughs> budget owner, it is amazing how many times I find that they don't budget to, according to design or engineering standards. They say, just in case. And that is how it gets budgeted. Yeah. Some people are of the idea, the, the bigger my budget is, the more important I am for the organization as well. And other people say, I don't want to be on the red carpet, everyone. I've got a building here fat, so I can, I don't have to end up on the red carpet. So yeah. with all of these combined, that's how we perpetuate these things. But now we also distinguish intrinsically between fixed and variable costs, because if you start talk about dollar per ton, you assume everything's variable. Okay, So uh, that is worth a discussion on its own. My experience is that if you come, that if you identify a specific number in a new budget, you ask people to go back and analyze it for you. Then they come back with some anal analytics on it and you say, no, 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 that's not granular enough. Go back and do it again and again and you carry on with that. Then eventually you cut that budget by 20%. And that's why budgeting takes so long. And that's also why the budget takes so long. And then you're not sure because what you then find is You've just now cut it by 20%. And within the first month, there is something comes up that we forgot about because people don't have that granularity to refer to. 
And then, yes, you're losing some of your savings again, maybe a three or four or five, even five percent. But you end up with a net gain between 10 and 15 percent. Okay. Just because you have the detail, what does this, how is this thing make up? And this granularity allows us to have a new language in the future because we can now start talking about the fact that we had a variance in our input cost during this week. In workplace number seven, while they were busy with the activity of ledging due to excessive machine hours uh, being required to do the job. Okay. And we can't do that now. Okay, that all together is really putting us in a position of really knowing uh, much more about our operation, getting more accurate, and we are getting more confidence in our forecast and we're ending up with more competitive levels of production. A one-minute example. You want to build a house, get quotes from two builders. The one comes back and says, God, it can cost you $4,000 per square meter. I don't know if that's realistic, but be that as well. <laughs> the second one comes back with a full QS report. The quantum of labor, the quantum of materials, all specified and costed with reference to quotes from three building wholesalers. I'm sure you can already know, feel that that second builder's quote has just got much more value. It's more granular. You can analyze it. You can touch it. You can feel it. You can scratch around with it. It's specific in definition, and it eliminates broad brush averages and generalizations. Why would you do it for your house and not for your mind? And that is why I say I think the, the result number two that we want to put out there is that Working in this manner achieves potential savings. It increases our confidence in our projections, especially when we have to quickly revise them. We improve accuracy through granularity. We actually, uh, our chairman have expression, we take the lid off the mine, we can see into the detail. We will be working with near real-time results. And in many cases, with real time, we can we facilitate running options and scenarios and looking at alternatives to find and seek the best and uh, support our continuous improvement processes. And we increase our execution discipline, as well as we making both operational and the financial functions part of the short interval control. Okay, Jan, we're getting to the end of the podcast. Yes. Before we uh, tell people how they can interact with us around this, because I think we've only scratched the surface here, let's talk about the uh, the next four podcasts. What will you be recording? Okay, we would uh, continue follow up with the financial control to become an integrated or integral part of short interval control, and especially with the role of the ERP in exactly that. Okay. We want to talk further about how do we support our supply chain management by giving them the demand facts, i.e. the demand of the mine for uh, materials and consumables and spare parts, etc. We have a lot of clients that's reporting on that. That's the one that's holding them back. That the uh, demand signals does not trigger the supply in time and that stoppages occurs because of some critical component or uh, material not being available. Yeah, and the yeah, third don't one? Don't get me going on this because we don't have time, but you're absolutely right. Okay. Then we want to look at variance analysis becoming factual. Okay. 
and I can't elaborate on it now, therefore there's a separate discussion on it. But we're going to see how the financial forekeeping will actually mirror physical activities and how we can really do financial variance analysis. Okay. And then lastly, a very important part is that financial accounting reporting must be transformed because we now, it must become a near real-time activity. Closing your books a week after or two weeks after is just too late. It's history. I'm not interested in it. Okay. And in doing so, we will be sure that the physical activities with the defined measurable outcome has a mirror of financial results as part of that outcome, and it's driven by automated transactions so that we can be in near real time, which will allow us to move away from comparing with sometimes hairy-fairy norms like best practices, benchmarks, or aggregated averages. But we want to compare with design specifications, engineering standards, and make exact comparisons between those. And all this is not possible without a platform-to-platform -platform integration to your ERP. We need this transformation on how we do things to actually get there. You want fascinating podcast. Looking forward to the next recordings. Also looking forward to um, response back from the community, from the listeners. Let's give them your email address. Oh, please uh, contact me at jrickert. Uh, Rickert is spelled R-I-E-K-E-R-T at minorp.com. Also remember that we'll be putting this in the podcast notes. Thank you very much. Signing off from the Mind Warp podcast team. Goodbye. Goodbye from me.